I'll hold it right there. What's this? Who are you? Greetings, Mrs. Richards. My first prediction comes true. I have stolen the heart of the Fantastic Four. Hello, hello. Hello, live from Latveria. It is Craig and Bill recording, uh, broadcasting live from the resistance. Although we're pro-doom, so I don't know that we're the resistance. Yeah, I don't know what we would be resisting, to be quite honest. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like, we might not be a sanctioned doom uh, mouthpiece, but at the same time, we're very pro-doom. So, hmm, yeah, we have to come back to that. But uh... <laughs> We're the two guys standing in the crowd, like, waving little flags that say doom on it. Right. <laughs> Everybody is. We're gonna we're gonna cover some of this today. Actually, uh, this is this is very uh, this matches very much to to what the issues uh, that we covered today. But yes, with you again, Craig and Bill, your hosts uh, on the Doctor Doom Cast, the world's premier podcast of all the podcasts dedicated solely to Doctor Doom. We've determined that we're the number the leading one in the marketplace. How this has been determined. <laughs> We don't need to go into that at this time, but suffice <laughs> to say, it's true. It's been very complex figuring it out. It is. It's, you know, we don't want to weigh you down with numbers, statistics, you know, there's there's a lot of industry jargon that goes into figuring these things. We, we don't even really want to get into it ourselves, but we're forced to, as the hosts, to, to look at these things from time to time. We have... Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't expect the listeners understand it. Uh, we don't really understand it. So, you know, we can just move on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into today's uh, today's issues that we're going to cover now. Where we left off last time was Fantastic Four 84, I believe, which was the first in a four-part story arc. Correct. And today we're going to start in with Fantastic Four number 85, titled Within This Tortured Land. Um, yes. We're back in Fantastic Four as of the la end of the last episode. So I think we're back to our standard art crew. Is there any changes to that that you want to discuss? Uh, no, we uh, we got it written by Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, and inked by Joe Sinnott. Uh, so that's all standard for the FF. No changes there. Uh, so all four parts look very um, oh consistent, let's call it. Yeah. Uh, no new people coming aboard or anything like that. So we pick up right where we left off. I mean, just exactly where we left off, where Reed Richards is trying to tell the people, he's trying to show them that they're not free in Latveria. I think they know this, but he's trying to make a point. So he says, uh, I'm going to show the people that they're not free. And he says he was going to run for the border. We had determined that maybe that was symbolic because the border might have been far away to reach on foot. And Doom had kind of blasted him and, and kind of kept him in place. Doom says, uh, Doom's telling him they can't leave. And there's a quote here, resistance is futile, which will become a famous uh, quote in another medium years later. Yes, that's true. Very true. Uh, of course, we're speaking of Locutus of Borg and the yeah. Borg in general, I guess, from Star Trek. Yeah, did they? I think they used that line perhaps before there was Locutus, maybe in, in Dust of... Or, um, and the initial was it Qhu or something that where they first encountered the Borg? Yes, you are correct. And in the best of both worlds, prior to Locutus at the end of part one. And I know uh, over on Voyager seven and nine would repeatedly use the same phrase, but she gave it the American resistance is futile 
as opposed ah. to the British tile. <laughs> futile sounds just lands better, I think. It sounds more uh oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sinister? Pompous and British. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So Doom says Doom's telling them um although resistance is futile, uh he says there's no hard feelings. He says, now that you're powerless, you'll just be treated like all my other subjects. And the quote I wrote down is, you will obey every order and be punished for every infraction for the rest of your natural lives. <laughs> Which I would like to point out in the Marvel Universe, your natural life might not be that long. But right. then you could have an unnatural life extended through, you know, cybernetics, uh, mysticism high tech, uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and we we know Doom claims to be a man of his word. So if we're taking him at face value, this might not be as bad as it seems because he's saying your natural life. And maybe if you do find this other afterlife through mysticism or whatnot, this wouldn't apply. But um, <laughs> the thing being the thing decides that he's not having it. He tries to rush Doom. And he tries to rush Doom's robots, easily blast him back. And the Fantastic Four are realizing that uh, their powers are missing. Um, Correct. I want to call out now, the- I don't think these are robots, though. Are these they are wearing robotic no? suits, uh, but I believe that they are men in the suits. I was confused by that. I thought you could shed light, but I, I kept it kept seeming like he was saying, like, well, my robots can do this. And I know there's very specific robots that come in later. So you might be right. right. I think these are just now that you're saying that. But um, yeah, I, there's always something that's been kind of questioned over the years. Because yeah. sometimes he's clearly using like robot soldiers and other times they are specifically said to be people wearing armor. Mm-hmm. And it. Uh, they look the same. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So it is very difficult, but they are talking like people, not like robots. Uh, so that makes me think these are indeed people. Maybe uh, like a stormtrooper type idea where they, they're clones, but they're not, they're like actual people, but quite, not quite. Um, well, the stormtroopers, the Star Wars nerd in me has to come out here. Right. Those are people who were uh, who joined the Empire. The clone yeah. troopers were the clones. Okay. So, makes sense. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to call out is, this is supposed to be the 1960s at this point. Am I correct? Well, when it was made, yes. Okay, so, or, or like, is it like late 60s, early 70s? I'm not exactly sure where we are in the... We're in the 60s here. Okay. The people in Latveria seem to be dressed like they're in the 1940s although i was thinking this is a country probably behind the iron curtain so that would make sense that they're like 20 years behind in time in terms of like fashion and culture yeah and you also have to think that they're going for visual shorthand like yeah that this is a balkan nation not like you know ohio or something like that right <laughs> There's a lot of things like I'm like, okay, well, I think even by the 60s, they were past this, but it is supposed to be sort of a mountain, you know, secluded kingdom or whatnot. So um, Reed Reed says, you know, he informs the rest of the group, like, let's not forget while we're here. We're here to find these robots. A waiter comes up and says, lunch is ready. All citizens get free food uh, or food free of charge from doom. And Our generous sovereign. <laughs> yeah, and Reed, Reed kind of spits at this and says, well, yeah, even slaves were well-fed. 
<laughs> and then there's a great full page of Doom watching this, and he's miffed that Reed compares him to a slave owner. Um, Doom is a lot of things, but he's not a slave owner. He he enslaves his people, but he's not a slave <laughs> owner. In Doom's mind, there's a big difference there. <laughs> I like in this in this full page, Doom is in some sort of groovy like '60s red chair. And he's in the middle of all this technology, watching Reed on a screen. There also seems to be what I thought looked like a turntable in that bank of technology, which yes. this could be like Doom's other, you know, this is his side gig as a DJ, holding the, the headphones up to his ear and uh, <laughs> and cranking Yeah, you know, just to unwind at night, maybe he throws down some beats, you know. <laughs> Like, Doom would have a, a radio station here in Latveria, and he would be the nighttime, the Venus flytrap, if you will, of... I don't see Doom as the morning man. I see him more as, like, the late night, smooth <laughs> listening. Doom would be whichever man on the radio he wants to be. Yes. <laughs> he might want to be the morning man. He might want to rotate. Uh, we don't know. But... Yeah, like Doom's uh, wacky morning crew, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Morning zoo format. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, Howard Stern could be Doom's next nemesis in, uh, going forward. The ratings battle for supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> Doom having to resort to fart jokes. <laughs> the one market that he hasn't conquered yet is, is king of all media. He's conquered everything else, but... <laughs> His insults on Howard Stern and his, you know, you can just see Doom, like, you and your accursed, what did he used to call those guys? The Whack Pack? Yeah. <laughs> the accursed Whack Pack. The accursed Whack Pack. <laughs> the, uh, does, it, does that make, like, Artie or uh, Fred, like, the thing? Like, uh. I think by default, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the incompetent Jackie Martling. <laughs> the joke, man. <laughs> Doom will have to enlist the joke man himself. Yeah, that's going to be his plan. Like, well, when I have the joke man under my control, I will rule all media. <laughs> oh, man, that's a fight I definitely want to see. We'll have to get Howard. We'll have to get one. This we'll have to... Jackie Bartling, if you're listening, you can you can call in or. Uh... Well, we don't have a call in yet, but you can write in and uh, we can talk about it. We'll have him on in a future episode. Sure, why not? It'd be fun. <laughs> so Doom says, uh, while the Fantastic Four is dining, he's going to hit them with another blast of this hypnosis, uh, which is what's what's taken away their powers. And I think we I think we touched on that in the last issue. This is why they're yes. powerless. Yeah, that's why they, they are not able to access their powers, but otherwise they're perfectly normal. So he says this, then he decides he has other things to do. He hits a switch. I thought I was seeing this wrong, but I think he, he drops down in his chair into another room. At first, I, I went back and looked at it again. I'm like, wait, is he going up, like through a trap door? No, he's like going down into another room from his technology bank. Um, yeah, where well, he keeps his turntable. He encounters, <laughs> he has a toady, a, a toady named Hop, Hopman. Yes. And he Do you says, remember Hopman by any chance, Craig? Now, where did Hopman come in before? <laughs> okay, Hopman here himself uh, doesn't do too much. Uh, we can talk about that at the end of this whole cro uh, not crossover, but 
out of this uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. However, he does have a brother that uh, was also employed by Doom later on. And I remember you read the comic with him in it. And you thought it was totally awesome what happened to him. <laughs> Which I don't know if we should give it away or just wait till we get there and, and we can talk about it then. But Let's wait till we get there. I missed that completely. Okay. I, I thought we had covered it a little bit, but he... Uh... <laughs> he goes to, he says uh, doom doom says you know time is short people are starting to suspect what doom is up to although they're powerless to stop him they're starting to suspect and he says to hopman isn't that right and hopman agrees and doom says well then look like you mean it you dolt <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely doom's way of dealing with the underlings yes and Doom says, I wonder what your Fuhrer would have done with an army like mine. So now we know that if we didn't know this before, we know that Hopman has some sort of Nazi ties. Correct. And, and he would be said, the right age for that uh, back in the 60s. And Doom says, you know, if, if the Fuhrer had an army like mine, he might have ruled the world. And he says to Hopman, you know, aren't I the greatest military genius of all? And Hopman says, uh, yes, your, bro- your brilliance rivals even that uh, of the Red Skull. And this causes Doom to lose it. And he throws Hopman into the wall. And he's like, rivals it? <laughs> yes, I thought you would like that reference. Because, uh, of course, this Hopman guy being a, a former Nazi is going to be enamored of the Red Skull, who is himself a Nazi. And uh, Doom does not like Nazis. <laughs> so by this guy saying that he rivals the Red Skull, uh this guy must not be long for life. <laughs> Doom was not having it. Uh, not- he threw the guy against the wall, got in his face, was yelling at him. And uh, Hopman, to his credit, knew enough to just like grovel on the floor and stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> There's two great panels of artwork and Doom was roaring into his face and says, know this now and know it forever. Dr. Doom has no rivals. None. None. <laughs> and he says, didn't I capture you? Uh, am I not monarch of all I survey? In all the world, there are none to match me. None can rival Dr. Doom in total mastery of the diabolical. And he just thro- <laughs> throws Hopman aside and tells him, open the door. It's time for the test. Like Doom is losing patience. Now, we're going to, there's going to be more examples of this, but he, he, kind of stole Hopman away to use as a toady, but he also seems to have very, very little regard for Hopman. Yes, there's two interesting things here. Doom says that he captured Hopman from the Red Skull to make him his own servant. So already we got Doom saying that basically he he pilfered this guy away from the Skull to to be his own toady. And then... Like, let's admit it, no one's a hype man like Doom is his own hype man. <laughs> the best hype man ever, probably. But I, I like how Doom is basically just saying outright, you worked for the Red Skull, I took you away from him, now you're working for me, you know, so you say that I'm the greatest that there is. So it's almost like there's no honor among villains here. Right. Like, Doom <laughs> saw this Hotman guy working for the Skull and was like, you know what? Yeah, forget the Skull. I'm going to make this guy work for me. <laughs> and so he just, like, went and took him. 
<laughs> yeah, even even though he doesn't really seem to have a lot of regard for him, he's just constantly berating him. And uh, like to your point, Hopman seems to have some sort of death wish because he just keeps saying the wrong thing over and over. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they head outside. Doom says, you know, open the door. It's time to we have to check out this test that I that I'm doing. So they go outside, and Doom is watching his guards abuse some. Uh, protesters quite rebels i don't know exactly what you i mean they're they're latvian subjects but they seem to be re- rebelling against doom yeah they don't seem to be fans of his necessarily um so maybe they're people a couple of guys he just allowed to uh voice their opinions right. you know and then then took them in and he's got a couple of his goons roughing them up they're all like fist fighting and everything, and then Doom breaks it up. <clears throat> yeah, he says uh, he advocates reason over force. He says, uh, you know, if these people get injured, the whole test is worthless. We're not quite sure what the test is. We're about to find out. But he says. And he even calls them misguided miscreants. Yes, misguided <laughs> miscreants. Doom is, uh, you know, maybe the king of alliteration as well. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, uh, these guys, the, the misguided miscreants. Uh, get the you know try to jump Doom from behind. He's just appalled that they would put hands on him, uh, as he usually is when someone touches him. He's just it, almost more baffled than angry. Like so <laughs> it's like it's not even. It's more like an irritant, like a fly or something. He pushes them away. They run, and he's yelling at them like, "This is how you reward my generosity, my protection, ungrateful wretches." <laughs> Yeah, it's like his feelings are hurt. Yeah, he says, I am betrayed. Like, you know, he's just really unsure why, even though he was having his, you know, his goons rough them up, and he did stop his goons from roughing them up too much. He's still baffled by this. Um, And then, like, uh, uh, he he basically, Doom kind of says, well, this was my plan all along. I expect these guys to get away. There's an armored vehicle that they're going to find. And, um, and then Hopman's like, well, once they find this armored vehicle, how would they possibly be stopped? And Doom's like, well, that's the test. You know, don't question me. <laughs> and he's t- it turns out he's testing another robot. He wants to see if this robot can withstand the, the attack from the armored vehicle. And Yeah, the misguided and- miscreants, they jump into this dreadnought uh, vehicle. Mm. And then there's this green robot with a big head, like, standing in their way. So that's when they start opening fire. How they know to like work these cannons and stuff, I have no idea. <laughs> right, they just instantly know what's happening. But but uh, it turns out that they're no match for this robot. And as Doom had suspected, and he's musing kind of to himself and says, "Well, if one you know robot is if one robot is so mighty, imagine like the power of twelve, which it turns out he's already built twelve. He asks." The test is kind of going as he expects it. So Doom's kind of like, well, all right, moving right along. He says to Hopman, um, who he's treating now as some sort of secretary, I guess. He's like, well, what's next on the schedule? And Hopman says, it's time for a sitting for your royal painting. Uh, <laughs> Doom says, all right, well, let's, he's like, let's get it done. Uh, you know, um, he says, fine, fine, we'll get this done. And he says, but we got to get this done before the artist dies along with everyone in the village <laughs> and Hopman doesn't 
doesn't understand this. And Doom's like, think, you idiot. So he's basically going to so- send these robots that have now been battle tested to destroy this village. Um, and yeah, like Hoffman puzzled by this and Doom just again, like, you're an idiot. Don't you get what's going on? So even though he stole him away to be his schedule keeper, uh, he's just like, that's the only he, he feels like he can't even get that right. It seems like. Yeah, Doom has no respect for Hoffman, which it, it comes into play much later on. Yes, yes. So the Fantastic Four are in the village having a bite to eat. The Thing loves the food. He says it has the Yancey Pizza Palace beat. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that's a new sponsor that we might start having uh, on the Dr. Doomcast. The Yancey Pizza Palace uh, did reach out to us. They do want to sponsor our our, f- our future episodes, so we might have to plug them. I would like to point out that what they show the thing eating, he always has like a gray rock on his fork. Right. <laughs> it's like, what are you eating that's so delicious? It looks like a rock. <laughs> Latvian food apparently is better than the Yancey Pizza Palace, so uh, we we might have to keep that in mind if we do accept their sponsorship. <laughs> Take that, Yancey Streeters. <laughs> Re- so Reed is is kind of shakes this off and he's like, you know, Doom is always most dangerous when he appears to be a benefactor, which I was thinking, like, how often that had happened? <laughs> uh, like that we've seen up to this point? Probably never. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't get, I mean, Reed might have some backstory on that, but I'm like, I don't remember Dr. Doom ever really spending more than a minute or two, if that, tr- being a benefactor of any kind. Yeah, I think this is more like kind of showing that Doom does stuff uh, off panel or when he's not in comics mm-hmm. and he pays attention to it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's through the news or whatnot. So that's what I'm assuming he's referencing. Reed is having trouble concentrating. He's got brain brain fog. And uh, it turns out that the Fantastic Four have been once again drugged uh, they all kind of pass out at the table. This is, we've seen this before with the Fantastic Four being drugged uh, in re- things related to Doom. You think they would have not fallen. Maybe it's because that Reed is not thinking very clearly and they're under hypnosis, but this is something that's happened before. They just dive yes. right into this this food and drink, survived by their arch enemy. Like, well, you know, seems legit. Now, like, it should be pointed out that the Invisible Girl isn't here, that, as a reminder, uh, Crystal from the Inhumans is taking her place right now. And you would think that her being the new one, maybe she wouldn't know any better and just be like, hey, it's lunch, you know, like, let's eat some grub. But, yeah, the others kind of be like, "Uh, last time we ate something from Doom, it was, like, spiked, you know, so let's not. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, in fairness, Reed was saying that like, he couldn't concentrate, he couldn't think clearly. Maybe that was part of it. So, they're, that's they're, true. They're back under. They're they're put back in the hypnosis machine, and they're all subjected to these subliminal suggestion tapes that are giving them these messages as they sleep. So, I think the things is, uh, you know, it's just this thing telling him over and over, like you have no power, you're not strong. I think uh wasn't the torch is um he's afraid of fire. Afraid of fire, yeah. Crystal um, can't access her elemental powers. 
Yeah, which I wasn't, I, I forgot reading that again, like elemental powers. It's a little nondescript, but I, I guess they knew what it meant. Well, the elements, you know, she can control the elements. Right, yeah. So they didn't go in any, like, they didn't do anything specific on that. They're just like, yes, all of them. You can't. <laughs> all four elements, no good. Right. <laughs> um, we we cut back to the United States where Sue, who you just mentioned, is house shopping uh, with a with a real estate agent. He's showing her this house in a crowded area. He, he doesn't. I mean, she has to point this out to him. He's not picking this up at all. That you know, they're famous people. They don't want to live in an area that's heavily populated. He's just right, showing him some like how next four, to like all these other people, yeah. Yeah, the Fantastic Four, remember their identities are publicly known, so it's not like I mean they're legit celebrities, everybody knows who they are. And so uh when they're walking out of the house, right away there's like uh was it uh two, three, four young guys come running up fawning over her. And uh and she is looking very sixty chic here with this yeah. ensemble she's wearing. Yeah. Um but yeah, she points out to him like, you know, yeah, we're like celebrities. We can't just be moving into a residential neighborhood that's not going to work. It wasn't it, it wasn't even like, you know, if in California or something, if you live in Malibu, there's gated communities. You could be in an area where you're not far away from people, but it's everyone's got a very separate area. There's not a lot of public access. He's just showing them like a two bedroom house on a suburban street. Like, here you right. go, right here, yeah. So <laughs> he, he goes, uh, okay, well, you know, there's this other weird abandoned place that you might like instead, which is an... <laughs> we don't get a lot of this plot line overall, and I think we get one more cutback to it maybe in the next issue, but he, he kind of shows her, he takes her off to this, like, beaten path and shows her this other place. Like, yeah, we don't know anything about this place. It's kind of strange, but you might like it. And she's like, you don't know? You're the realtor. He's like, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, he says, like, they just found it and it was abandoned, so now it's being sold. I would ask, being sold by who? Because right. if it's abandoned, like, someone's got to own it if you're selling it, you know? And uh, it, it doesn't even look like a house. It looks, most of it's underground, it says. And from what we see, it just looks like, I don't know, the butt end of a starship or something. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just like, well, who knows? Uh, you know, I'm hey, I'm just the realtor. I just work here. Uh, you know, I'll see if I can yeah, see what you look at. Yeah. Like this, come on, man. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> this is the guy we're that we're dealing with. So we we they they he goes all right. So we we uh, we go back to Latveria, the Fantastic Four. They're completely powerless. There's a there's a fun image of this of the thing and Reed recoiling as they as they think uh now that they're in this hypnosis state if they even think about revolting it will like shock their systems and they they can't do it so there's a great shot of the two of them recoiling as they think of like revolting against their captors both open mouth kind of slack jawed right yeah like now they're they're very timid in in terms of any thoughts of revolt or whatnot right so they're kind of like a lot of other people in that area so we go back to Dr. Doom, who's looking at himself without his mask. He's like a little hand in the mirror. He's posing for this portrait that the artist was doing that Hoffman referenced. And he's saying that he can take the sight of himself now, which is very different than just the last episode when we talked about him in Marvel. Was it Marvel Superheroes 20? 
Yes. Where he was just tortured at the idea of his face being scarred and, and he was, you know, how can Valeria love me? Because I, how can I love myself? Look at, you know, I'm so repulsive. There's no way someone could ever love me like this. So pretty, I don't know how much time is supposed to pass between that and this issue, but now he's, this is a fresh day for Doom. He's like, hey, now I can take it. Well, Craig, remember, time heals all wounds. Yeah. It doesn't heal all- <laughs> You know, figuratively, figuratively, if not literally. Now, I would like to point out, he's not in his normal attire here. Yes, he's I wrote wearing, this down. I wanted to get your opinion on this. Yeah, the first thing I thought seeing this was he's wearing pretty much the ensemble of King the Conqueror. Oh, okay. Who, if you remember, uh, is who Rambo Tut became after they had met briefly. Right. And... So I don't know if this is done on purpose or not, because at this point in time, there was thoughts that, oh boy, how did that work? That Rama Tut would go to the future and he became King the Conqueror. And then they thought maybe King would go back in time and become Dr. Doom, which I mean made no sense because Rama Tut did not wear a mask. So Doom would have just been like, no, that's not me. Duh. <laughs> but I just wonder if they did this outfit on purpose or if it was just total coincidence or what? Right. He has a crown and some sort of mink cape. And yeah, the, the mink cape would not be King, but the, uh, the tunic, it's a green tunic with like purple leggings and gloves. Yeah. I mean, it's King's color scheme and that's what he wears, the green tunic. And uh, he's got like, it's a yellow, I don't know what you would call it, but it's around his neckline, which on King, that would be purple as well. So, yeah, I mean, first thing I thought before I read any of the, the words was like, what's King doing here? Right. <laughs> yeah, this is a very groovy look for Doom. It's very different. He's saying that um, when he rules all of mankind, so we've talked before about how Doom's, uh, you know, his goals tend to change sometimes even within the same issue, like, well, I'm going to defeat the Fantastic Four. I'm going to rule mankind. I'm going to rule that area. I want a cabinet post. Uh, He's always man. (laughs) Right. Like he's always got something. He says when he rules all of mankind, his face will be the new standard of beauty and everyone will be forced to stare at it. Uh, (laughs) You know what that means? That means like you and I would be like even more beautiful. Well, wait, no. Because Doom's mean, face is setting the standard, like, this is acceptable masculine beauty. Anyone whose face isn't hideously disfigured to be all the better looking. <laughs> well, I thought, no, I read that backwards. I, I thought we would be worse because he would say that everybody should look more like him. Oh, I mean, yes, that's what he's thinking. Oh, but I, I just know how people think in reality. <laughs> <laughs> we know the reality of how people think. You're not going to make all women decide, yeah, this dude with a hideously disfigured face because he put a scalding metal mask on it. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's the hot guy. That's just not going to happen. You know, and anyone who, who is swayed by that, we're, we're not their type anyway. <laughs> True. <laughs> so he tells the artist, he says, hurry up, you know, get this done. And the artist is like, well, I don't want to hurry. I don't want to mess anything up because, you know, if you, you promised me, freedom if this portrait is is you know to your liking i think he says and doom doom is like are you mocking me he's like uh how can how can any picture of my wreck of a face be to my liking 
um, <laughs> which is different from what he was just saying. And then right. he was saying, like, I'm great. You know, my face is terrific. And but now this guy's like, hey, I'm making this picture of it. And he's like, well, it's going to be terrible because my face is terrible. So <laughs> confused. Um, the artist says, well, what about your promise, you know, to let me go? And Doom tosses him across the room. And there's a lot of great Doom tossing people and backhanding people in these issues. Yeah. And I wrote this quote down. He says, um, you dare speak to me of promises? And then he says, uh, every breath you take, every moment you live is only because I allow it. Which makes me wonder if this is where Sting got the idea for this song, Every Breath You Take. <laughs> All right. Now he's on the list of people that would need to. Uh, <laughs> so Sting, we know you're listening. Just let us know if it was that line from Doom which inspired you to write every breath you take was basically all pop culture music of the eighties is what we're going to get down to. Uh, it was inspired by Dr. Doom's antics in these comics. Um, we'll find, I think, you know, that's fair. I think we're just going to go through an entire list by the time we're done. And we're going to find like sting Lionel Richie culture club, <laughs> the Rhythmics, Madonna Prince. They, they all owe some sort of debt to, to the doctor. And we're going to make sure that debt gets paid. Right. We're here to collect <laughs> on behalf of the master. Um, and then Doom gets an alert that his uh, robots are attacking the village, which is what he had planned. Uh, and this is where we end this issue with the Fantastic Four realizing that the attack is on and the, we're about to get into the fight. Yes. And they can't use their powers, so they're not sure what to do. So then... You know, as you said, the issue ends. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we're into Fantastic Four 86, The Victims. Great cover of Doom towering over the what looked to be the cowering Fantastic Four. Fantastic Five here. Oh, that's right. Because the Invisible yes. Girl is on the cover with them here. And uh, we've talked about how a lot of these Doom covers, that's one of the reasons they're great is because not so much in this one, but like the, the they have Doom kind of towering over people or... The perspective's a little bit different, making him just look much larger and looming over his enemies. Yeah, it's always great visual shorthand for, you know, just showing what a threat he is, like how much larger than life and how he towers over everyone. It's it's always a great visual representation. Uh, the villagers are, we get into the story, the villagers are panicking because of the attack. They, they're going to go to the Fantastic Four for help. And Reed tells one guy, get a hold of yourself, man. <laughs> rightfully so yeah uh, they, i mean they're panicking they're, they don't know what to do reed tells them go to your homes you know hunker down arm yourself with whatever you can we're gonna we're gonna fight take the lead and we'll fight the robots off and if we lose you know at least we will have bought you some time which the thing is quick to kind of point out like well i'm not crazy about that part of this idea yeah i don't like the way he said that right <laughs> Doom pops up the there's a pop-up video screen that you know we've talked about how Doom loves video screens he likes to have them all over the place so that he can just pop them up and talk to people um, right which would make up. him a nice ruler if you think about it because uh, what happens is some little kids running by and he trips and falls and scrapes his knee and you can have this monitor pop up and Doom like there there young one uh, I'm sending for your mother right now Right. Yeah, you know, and we, we, we just said that Latveria, for a couple reasons, might be behind the times 
maybe even by a couple decades, just if they didn't have Doom as a ruler. So with Doom as a ruler, I'm guessing like he's not allowing a lot of television sets and things in people's homes. So this is really the only way. I mean, I mean, I guess you do it through a megaphone or something, but uh, this is his way of just talking to the people mostly, probably. I think so. Yes. And uh, so he pops up and he says, I created this robot army to protect you, but they're temporarily out of control. And, you know, if some of you die due to this unfortunate fact, well, let it be known that you'll all be considered heroes. Heroes of the realm. <laughs> yeah, so he's basically telling them, like, you know, people, uh, this is going to be a problem, but, you know, never fear. Your your, uh, your sacrifices will be made uh, public. We're going to call you heroes. Reed Which is cold them. comfort to anyone that dies, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't think anybody was really comforted by that fact. Reed calls him out on this, and, and Doom says, you unspeakable ingrate. <laughs> he says, uh, basically, he's, t- he's thinking, uh, he says, like, how dare Reed say this? When Doom has granted him the privilege, what does he say? Like, I've granted you the privilege of dying with my own beloved subjects. Yes. (laughs) He thinks Reed should be grateful for death. Because of how Doom is granting it. Right. Uh, So Doom says, you know, tells Reed he admires his courage. But, you know, he also is quick to say that Reed right now can't back that courage up with anything because he's powerless. Right. And then there's a great page of artwork where Doom as he's wont to do, as we've said many times, is sort of talking to himself about what's going on and saying, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four at their best was really no match for Doom, which we've, you know, we get into like the fact that they, uh, they're they formidable and maybe, you know, Doom sort of defeats himself sometimes. But he's saying at their best, they're no match for him. And now they're really no match for him. And he's about to win once and for all because they, they don't have their powers he says their hypnotic the effects of the hypnosis are going to wear off soon which i have to ask like why he couldn't make this hypnosis last longer well it sounds like the the type of hypnosis they're being put under uh i mean they have to be asleep when it happens so it's like uh subliminal ah, okay. and it's it's nothing subliminal stuff I guess it just depends on what the plot demands of it. But (laughs) usually subliminal hypnosis is a temporary thing, not like forever. Uh, So it is something where they would have to keep being put under routinely, make like every night or whatever. Um, But he figures that their powers will be not active long enough for his 12 robots to get there and destroy the village and kill them. So it won't matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that was part of it, too. Like, the the fact, the hypnosis isn't the important part to him. The, the important part is this test of this robots and, you know, how well they're going to perform. And he does admit to himself that the plan hasn't gone completely to, you know, as he wanted it, because the robots really are out of control at this point. Um, right. He's just claiming, like, there's a temporary misfunction. <laughs> one of the uh one of his guards comes in to fill doom in on the latest and doom backhands him servile dolt you dare address <laughs> me without leave uh, yeah see this is a guy wearing a suit of armor this isn't a, a robot right and he right. looks like a robot but it's clearly a dude and doom just backhands him says, you know dare address me and doom's concerned that his robots will eventually turn on him but he also mentions 
I guess again to himself that he he's given them a weakness that only he knows about. So he's he's concerned they're going to try to turn on him, but he also isn't concerned to the point of worry because he he knows he's got this key in his back pocket. Right. The Fantastic Four are fighting the robots off. Their powers are slowly returning. Johnny says at one point, "Where's Crystal?" And Reed says, "I sent her to I sent her to look after the women folk." <laughs> Now, I don't, we haven't covered Crystal a lot, so I don't know what standing she has. We've talked before about how Sue, Rich, Sue is really one of the key uh, players in standing up to Dr. Doom many times, even though Reed kind of plays this down. So, in fairness, maybe he was like, well, Crystal's kind of new. I don't know what she can really handle. She can go maybe keep them calm or something. It's It's, you know, we've talked about Reed's sexism before, but. <laughs> well, to be fair, Crystal is a teenager. Yeah. Um, she is like around the same age as a human torch. Um, she is the younger sister of Medusa. And that means she's a part of the Inhumans royal family. So she, let me see, Medusa eventually marries Black Bolt, which makes her the queen, which would then make Crystal the princess. Uh, but at this point, she's not in the royalty, but. She is a part of like the royal family, I guess. I don't know. They're all it's medieval how it all figures out. Right. Um, so I think it's a combination of his kind of worried about her age or lack thereof, and wanting to keep her as safe as he can. Uh, you know, it wouldn't look good if she died fighting Doctor Doom, and then he has to go tell the Inhumans like. Oh, yeah, you know, about one of your royal family. Uh. <laughs> right, yeah. But it does sound weird him saying the woman folk. Like, I know you're in Europe right now, but has that ever been something Americans say? I don't think so. Not, not, I mean, we've never said it. I've never said it. I don't think you have. In all my years of knowing you, I've never heard you say that. Like, I, I never have, but I think I'm going to start. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to bring that back. We're going to start using that in common parlance. I was just visiting the women folk. It's like something from the 1880s, like people out on the farm or something. I think even further back now, like the 1780s. (laughs) Well, we're headed there. Uh, Doom is watching all that's going on. And he says the Fantastic Four's fate is all but sealed. And he asks Hopman, you know, isn't that right? Hopman says, I'm not, you know, not too certain about that. And Doom's state your reason, you unspeakable clod. Hopman says... Well, you know, you did give the robots one weakness, and Reed is crafty, so he may figure that out. And Doom, probably for the only time, I think, says basically like, well, that makes sense, Hopman. You know, you can live a while longer. <laughs> as, you've, as you've said one smart thing here. I like how Doom's sitting in a chair, and he's just like casually watching all the destruction with binoculars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you would think he would have like, some sort of uh, image enhancer built into like the, the eyelets on his mask or something. <laughs> right. And there's a great panel of him where he's saying that the fantastic four are going to have to die before they figure out what that loophole is. But um, right. the, the fantastic four, meanwhile, are continuing to fight the robots. Some of the villages are a bit ungrateful uh, for their help or they're, they're kind of insinuating like the fantastic four is really in it for themselves or that, you know, they're not, they're not being as helpful as they ought to be. They're looking out for themselves first. 
Um, do <laughs> hypnotize people. <laughs> right. Doom, uh, Doom, meanwhile, is saying, well, you know, on the slight chance that the Fantastic Four do manage to win and defeat this robot army, you know, the, the village rests upon explosives, which he'll detonate. And he says to Hoffman, stop cringing, you spineless toad. <laughs> and Hop, like, oddly, like, Hopman, the Nazi, is like, is the one who's like, you know, uh, horrified by this like you would destroy the village and doom says i would shatter half the planet to defeat the fantastic four <laughs> that's a great boast by doom <laughs> yeah you know it, this is the weird part of like doom oddly being more vicious in this instance than this spineless nazi guy uh i i guess it's more i don't know that hopman really is any less sinister but he's maybe like he just doesn't understand why Doom's doing this? Yeah, uh, he certainly isn't in the know of Doom's plans. Um, Doom's not the kind of guy who's going to share his plans with anyone. He'll just tell you what you need to know so you can do your part in things. Uh, but also, Doom has no respect for Hopman. So <laughs> if Hopman thinks like Doom wouldn't kill him in a heartbeat, if it meant to further his own agenda, like he's just fooling himself. Right. Well, and rightfully so. Hopman <laughs> probably not deserving of a lot of respect from anybody. But uh, the Fantastic Four are, are um, hunkered down with the villagers now. Reed hits the robots with a device that he's come up with that triggers a hidden turbulence pressure engine. And it hurls the robots up in the air. So basically now the tide is turning in this fight. And... Now Doom says, you know, they beat me again, basically, but I'm still going to win this. And he's going to use the, the detonator. And uh, Hoffman's like, wait, wait, you know, think of the people. And Doom's like, uh, you know, I forgot. And then says, well, it's too late. It's <laughs> happening. It's not often Doom just forgets. <laughs> but yeah, um, an ex a big explosion happens to allegedly destroy the village. But then as the, the smoke and rubble and everything clear, they see the village is still standing. Everyone's still alive. And it turns out that was thanks to the invisible girl showed up. And so she had used her force field powers to, you know, encase the village, which kept it safe from the explosion, kept everyone alive. So it was, you know, some excellent timing on her part that she was able to get there. And I believe, didn't she say, um, ah, yes, Nick Fury told her where they were. Because if you remember, S.H.I.E.L.D. sent them uh, yeah. to Latveria because apparently Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. are too busy, like, I don't know, playing checkers or something. They, they, had <laughs> so they else. do it themselves. They were, yeah, they, they had some other business that they didn't bother to explain. Like, look, we got the stuff to do. You know about robots. Go check it out, you know. Right. So she knew enough to contact Fury like, hey, where's the rest of my team? <laughs> They're overdue coming home. And so she went out there to Latveria and saved the day. And that takes us to Fantastic Four 87, The Power and the Pride. What I, I love these say, titles. <laughs> these titles are great. And what I want to say here is this. So the first three issues of this four-part story arc are robotics heavy right like so they the shield sends the fantastic four because they want to investigate this robotic arm they know reed richards knows just about as much as dr doom about robotics 
we see Doom has this plan to test these robots with the village, and there's a fight. He he puts the Fantastic Four under hypnosis. It's almost as a side thing, because really the idea is what he's doing with these robots. Okay. Right. Now, this last part of the story, this issue, and we're going to get into this. This is a funny one for me. Uh, I was laughing. I read it again after, this morning after, before we did this, because, well, let's get into it. You'll see, I think, okay. where I'm going with this. But <laughs> the Fantastic Four head for Doom's Castle now. They're ready. They have Oh, Sue. we should point out that okay. their powers have returned to them, by the way. Yes. So they were gradually returning. Now they're they're full bore. They're back and they have Sue. So they're ready. You know, I we can debate Crystal's usefulness, but we're, you know, Sue, I think, is the is the key member here. So they're set. So they uh, they're heading for Doom's Castle. The thing finds like a, a steeple or some on the ground, like this broken piece of building and like hurls it at the castle. Hopman and the artist from before who was painting Doom's picture are in the castle. Right. And the artist, who I don't think is ever named, he's just. The no, artist. he's not. Yeah. He's like we can call him Bob Ross. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was, he was uh, Bob Ross before there was Bob Ross. Uh, he was on that very in PBS. <laughs> the artist, formerly known as. Um, he says that he's had enough of all of this. You know, he's like, I was hired to paint a portrait and I was. I was hired to care for Dr. Doom's art collection. I wasn't hired to fight. So this was the first part where I was like, okay, they didn't mention that before. And what kind of art collection does Dr. Doom have? We'll get back to that. Uh, The artist then, Bob Ross, uh, between painting the happy trees and uh, feeding squirrels, (laughs) <laughs> for those of you who remember who Bob Ross was, that'll make sense. Otherwise, people will be like, that wasn't in the issue. I didn't see that. Uh, I think everybody knows Bob Ross. If you don't <laughs> know Bob Ross, you should. Uh, maybe we should put a link to his PBS shows. because You can go just... on Netflix. There's a bunch of his shows on there. Just look up Bob Ross. Yes. Your, your lives I've will be better them. for it. Yes. Uh, the artist says to Hopman, hey, Hopman, you know, maybe we can both escape. And Hopman says, you weak, non-Aryan fool. So I, <laughs> I don't know what the artist was supposed to be, but apparently he was non-Aryan. Hopman just cuts right to it. And then Hopman, being the Nazi stooge that he is, basically says, no one can escape. But what I can do is I can rat you out to doom and tell him that you talked about escaping. And then when all this is said and done, he'll reward me for letting him know basically about your treachery. <laughs> yeah that'll happen right I, I wrote that like you know Hopman is not smart at all if he believes that any of what he just said is true right I, I just picture Doom like being Doom and saying you know you know you fool you sniveling toad you know, nothing's worse than a than someone who rats someone else out now I'll have to punish you just for that there is this great page where Hopman runs in it's a big splash page a great profile close up of Doom yelling at Hopman because he goes in to tell him, like, you know, the Fantastic Four are here. They're attacking. And Doom, like, yells at him, silence, you sniveling jackanape. <laughs> <laughs> favorite favorite insult, I think, of this whole of this whole uh, four-issue thing, I think. You sniveling jackanape. That he even says that uh, the arrival of Sue Richards, the wife of my accursed arch foe, was something he did not expect. He did right. not anticipate on her being there. Basically, Doom saying what we were saying, like, uh, yeah, it's Sue who saves the day once again. 
and Doom's like, I would have won except for that. And then he says, uh, he basically, Doom's saying he wants the Fantastic Four to get into the castle and reach him. He says uh, to Hopman, observe you trembling toady. <laughs> I think that was runner up. That was runner up for best insult. <laughs> yes. So here's, here's where this really jumps tracks for me is he says to Hopman, I will offer them art and music to soothe their fears. And he says, the piece de resistance will be my own concerto. He's going to play this on a piano with hypersound. So this was all about robots and everything. But now he wants to get the Fantastic Four there. And his plan is to play them. Maybe it gets back to the, our thing where he's a DJ. Now he wants to play them a concerto <laughs> of his own on the piano. Well, isn't this the plan that Liberace had when he was the villain on Batman? Right. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this, was this really would have been like, about the same time. <laughs> this was really a turn to the left. And he says, like, you know, I've got to go the Fantastic Four a little bit. And the next few pages are the Fantastic Four. You know, they're fighting their way towards the castle. And basically things are happening that are kind of getting them where Doom wants them to be. But, yeah, this is where this one kind of. You know, it started, I guess, a few panels back where where uh, the artist was like, yeah, I was hired to take care of the art collection. And I thought, OK, we didn't talk about that before. <laughs> and now Doom is on this whole thing about like, I'm going to offer them art and music and I'm going to play for them. Like, oh, where's this going now? This is a different tactic. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if this is a Doom's plan all along or if he's just improvising on the fly. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is the first we've really heard of Doom's musical aspirations, uh, as they are. I would dare say Doom can't even play the piano. He probably has one of those, like, old-fashioned saloon pianos that plays itself, and he just sits there and acts <laughs> like he's playing. <laughs> Someone kicks open the swinging doors, and then it stops, and then it starts playing again. <laughs> he has to just, like, play along, like, yes, this is me, I'm playing. <laughs> playing like uh, Camp Town Races or Old Dog Trays, some sort of some sort of tombstone yeah, type thing. He would want it to be something like all fancy, like something by Beethoven, but it would be like Camp Town Races that just comes <laughs> be programmed in the piano. <laughs> he lost the instruction book, so he can't figure out how to change it to Beethoven or something. He just plays that. You blasted piano. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Incompetent Yamaha people and their pianos. <laughs> What's Doom going to do? <laughs> he, uh, he reaches. So Sue and Crystal finally make it to Doom in his dining room. Well, they go through a trap door. Right. And they, they slide down there and the thing tries to open it. Um, but then there's an explosion and the three guys are then, you know, fighting their way past Doom's... Uh, security guards who are dressed like robots. And then this leads to an infamous panel that even Stan Lee made fun of later on, where um, as a torch is busy keeping those guards at bay, Reed and Ben reach the door to Doom's castle. And uh, Reed uses his stretching abilities to like get his arm through like an open spot and unlock it from the inside. And then the thing uses his super breath to blow the door down. <laughs> and it's not something that the thing can do. <laughs> so this Marvel had put out a book 
um, boy, I'll have to look up what it's called. I think it was the, the Marvel No Prize book. And it was basically just full of different mistakes and things from past Marvel comics and with commentary by Stan, like, like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking when, when I wrote this or like, I don't know how this got past the editor, which of course the editor would have been him at the time. Right. And um, this was one of the panels of the thing blowing this door down. And, and Stan was like, yeah, I'm not really sure. He was like, Jack drew that. And, you know, I just had to go with it. <laughs> he was like, but we've made sure the thing never did that, you know, afterwards at all. Cause he doesn't have like super lungs or anything like that. <laughs> so as soon as I saw this, I, I remembered reading that book when I was a kid and I was like, Oh, there's where it's from. <laughs> the book we need to get our hands on this uh book of no prizes i'm sure it's on the uh the, the marvel unlimited app i'm gonna have to check that out we might have to have a special issue just on that yeah there is a lot of dr doom in it from what i recall stan is even dressed like dr doom on the cover oh. and he's taking the mask off and the cover's upside down like just because you know it's like a wacky issue mm-hmm. so um I'll have to let you know what the name of the, the comic is. I'll have to find it out. But it, it's worth reading just for the fun. That reminds me, and I'll touch more on this a little bit later. I'll just say real briefly before I forget. But uh, we do see a lot on the Instagram page of uh, a, a lot of terrific Doctor Doom cosplayers. Some people who've really put some good costumes together. So I'll, I'll we'll drop that in later. But um, So why can't they do that in the movies? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Like with all the budget and everything they have, it never really looks right, but there's people with probably a lot less budget, but I just more time and, uh, and, and, uh, heart behind it. Air. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really doing terrific things. Yeah. Some amazing work. Uh, I wanted to touch on this real quickly. When Sue and Crystal reach the dining room, we see the table that doom has with all this food on it. He seems to be serving ham and donuts. Which is a strange mix. I mean, like it wasn't real specific, but it's an odd, like, uh, culinary for a guy trying to all of a sudden claim to be so uh, artistic and highbrow. Um, well, a couple things to remember now. Uh, one, you got two teenagers in the Human Torch and Crystal, so they would probably like donuts. Three, you got <laughs> the Thing who will eat pretty much anything. So, like, you know, he'll eat donuts. So you can see yeah. that happening. And four, these might be chocolate donuts, and in which case, that would mean he probably has grape soda nearby. Yes, uh, the the <laughs> meal, the preferred meal of the dreadnoughts. That's right. Maybe that's where Larry Hama got uh, the idea for the dreadnoughts liking chocolate donuts and grape soda. For any GI <laughs> Joe fans who might be listening, uh, you'll you'll know pick what up we're on talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? They're just like, just talk more about Doctor Doom. So. Um, there's a real brief return to the abandoned house from the last issue the real the real estate guy was trying to sell sue and there's some locals examining it and they're all scared away and i think there's even a note maybe from stan in there that says okay now that we've kind of set up next issue let's get back to the real story right yes Uh, i think i know what the story is but i I might be wrong, so I don't want to say anything about it because I might be like just off my rocker, confusing it with another story. Right. 
So the re so Sue and, and Crystal are, are there with Doom. Reed and the thing and, and Johnny are fighting their way towards the castle. Doom is dining now with Sue and Crystal. He he says to Sue if she he asked her if she's named the baby yet. And I thought, isn't that done in the hospital? Yeah, you know, Okay, here in America, right. I know it's pretty standard where you name your baby before they're even born. Um, most people nowadays know if it's going to be a boy or a girl before the birth. Some people still like to be surprised. They tell the doctor, don't tell me. Um, so they'll have like a boy and girl name picked out. Uh, so it seems odd. I thought their baby, uh, he's like a teenager now. His name's Franklin. I thought Franklin was named when he was born because he's named after Susan Johnny's father. Right. Um, so when I read this, I was like, oh, wow. So when he was born, he wasn't named. I had like totally forgotten about that. So I- I'm kind of surprised Doom didn't like offer like a, might I suggest Victor is a fine name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, just knowing people that I know who've had, who've had children. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe it's an American thing, but they don't just let you get away with having an unnamed baby for very long. Yeah, because you got to put something on the birth certificate. You can't just put an X or something. Like, it's not going to work. Or, like, to be continued or something. Or someone would take that literally and, like, call the baby that. <laughs> to be continued Smith, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what does the TBC stand for? To be continued. To be named later. Uh, so it was just a placeholder that wasn't meant to be his name. That wasn't meant to be the real thing. It's the uh, what was the thing from the GI Joe movie, Galobulus or uh, Cobra La? Uh, yeah, Cobra La, yeah, where they're like, right. well, we'll just put this in holder. there, and right later we'll come up with a better name. And they never did, <laughs> and it never happened. Uh, so Crystal says to to Sue, like, well, we got to be careful what we tell him, and Doom says, well. You know, he seems surprised by this. He's like, well, why don't, wouldn't you trust me? I, I rule by law and order. And Sue says, well, yeah, but you make the laws. You give the orders. And Doom says, well, yeah, I'm the king, of course. That's how it works, basically. <laughs> he's and not so, wrong about that yeah, <laughs> when you're the king. <laughs> not really angry or anything. He seems just more mellow about this. Like, well, yeah, you know. And then he says, the rest of the team will be here soon. And then once again, he says, I'll provide music and art to calm them. And then he says this, he says that he only wants to live with beauty and culture and enjoy simple pleasures like this composition I've written. So this issue really changes tracks when all of a sudden Doom is just mad to like present this song he's written. Or maybe well, it's a rock, maybe it's a rock opera. Maybe it's maybe who knows what it is. He just keeps going back to the idea like I'm going to show them art and music, especially this one that I've done. I think what it is, is, you know, he's hanging out with Sue and Crystal, you know, they're nice looking ladies. So he's probably all like, you know, yeah, I'm hanging out with the women folk. And then uh, he's like, let me play you this Camp Town Races over here that I wrote (laughs) as he winds up the piano. (laughs) Because we just covered in the last episode where he had somewhat tried to reunite with Valeria, his his love from his childhood, who he had conveniently forgotten about for many years. Um, right <laughs> and, and struck out so maybe there is a little of that maybe he's like look uh the usual tactics aren't working i can't i can't go with handsomeness uh my power and intellect are bombing women seem to like music maybe maybe uh you know 
maybe this musician thing is where it's at. It was the 60s. You know, we're starting to see uh, the rock and roll movement. People are really into musicians at this point, if they weren't before. Uh, I yeah, Beatlemania is like in full swing by now. Maybe he caught a little of that. I mean, we've heard, we've seen some references to some other bands and that. So maybe Doom's like, well, maybe these guys have something on the ball. I don't know. We We can only speculate what this composition was like. Right. Uh, if anyone wants to take a stab at it and send it in, uh, any musicians out there who are Dr. Doom fans, by all means, we, we can't really promise you anything. Um, I suppose we could come up with some sort of no prize for you if you do it. It's Camp Town Races. Let's just be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> he knows one song because it's the song that that keyboard came with. Right. <laughs> and he just has to move his fingers to it. Like, yes, I'm playing. Look at me. <laughs> You may have heard this one. This is a, a little-known tune called Camptown Races. <laughs> this is from your people being American. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's that, what was that weird wedding song that played at the end of Sue and uh, Reed's wedding? Is it Promise Me? Oh, yeah, I think that was it. Yes, maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. It, it, you know, it only plays two songs. It's got to be something beyond, before uh, copyright. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so something that would be free to play. <laughs> so the, finally the Fantastic Four get into the castle, into Doom's art room, that we've been hearing so much about this art room. The Thing is quick to call out that there's not one poster of Raquel Welch in the group. <laughs> fine art for the Thing, yes. Yes, he, he's not impressed by any of this fine art. He's like, there ain't one poster of Raquel Welch to be seen. Uh, for those who don't remember Raquel Welch I guess what the what would the equivalent be today like Kim Kardashian or something like she was the sort of like pinup star of the time well I mean to be fair she's before our time too yeah uh, <laughs> so I I don't know how famous or whatever she was but I would say I mean there's so many like hot chicks nowadays you can just pick whoever your personal preference is I guess maybe just put uh, her name in there. And people might know her if there were any Seinfeld fans. And we've debated if Doom was a Seinfeld fan. Maybe that's where the reference comes to. But uh, she was on Seinfeld, I think, in the last season where she played sort of a maniacal version of herself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Something like, uh, uh, we won't get to down that rabbit hole, but she's basically uh, torments Kramer and Elaine, I think, with her with her bullying ways. <laughs> yeah wasn't she making a bunch of demands and stuff like like a typical movie star yeah yeah and uh um there was a subplot with her and kramer and i think her and one with her and elaine where they actually like get into a fist fight <laughs> so uh hopman is about to blast the artist now okay so hopman and the artist are there where the artwork is yes Hopman has a flamethrower. He's about to blast the artist with it. He says his Nazi training has served him well here. Uh, he, he's, figure, he's figured out that the artist is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, which I think maybe Reed says something like, oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. did mention they had somebody on the inside, which I had forgotten about completely. Right, yeah. Nick did mention they had an inside man, and it wasn't mentioned anymore until right here. And then Reed thinks to himself, so he's the one Fury had mentioned. The artist says, wait, if you use that flamethrower, you'll dis destroy all this precious art. And Hopman says, who cares about art? Think of my reward. Uh, some what do I care for art? <laughs> yes. 
So he's not one of these Nazis who was into like stealing precious art. He's one of these Nazis who could care less about art. Um, Reed gets the jump on him. Hoffman says, I'll kill you all. I'll douse this place with fire. Doom's watching, I guess, while playing or pretending to play because his hands are in like the piano format formation. The, the, the way you'd put them on a piano if you were pretending to play. Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, he's so he's pretending to play Camptown Races, but he's also kind of watching this and he says, uh, the abysmal arrogant fool is ruined my plans. Uh, which, again, this plan seems a little unplanned, but... Um, right. But Doom does not like the idea of his his artwork room being uh, torched because yeah. he says, what are a few vulnerable lives compared to the immortal art that might be destroyed? So he yeah. instantly, like, doesn't even care about the Fantastic Four could die or something. That room's got to stay safe and everything in it's got to be kept, you know, pristine. So he says, it must not happen. It shall not happen. And so... He turns, I guess the piano, he was saying, had this hyper sound that really wasn't explained necessarily what he was going to do with it. But whatever it was, he, he turns it full blast on Hopman and kills him. Right. And the artist says, basically, like, well, Doom killed him, but basically Hopman brought it upon himself. So, you know, as usual, there's no regard for the Nazi, and, and there shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah, everybody's just kind of like, well... Yeah, that that's right. <laughs> yeah. Because Doom, he tells uh, Sue and Crystal, like, "Well, you two can go. Like, everything's handled here." And and Sue is like, well, "What about Reed and the others?" And he's like, "Oh, you'll find them waiting out in the Great Hall." And so Crystal's like, "Well, let's get out of here. All the kittens good." <laughs> right. So she and and Sue leave, and then Doom is left by himself, as normally tends to happen at the end of Doom stories lately where he's just like looking out a window and he's like, there's been no gain, but then again, there's been no loss. He's like, so we shall live to fight another day. <laughs> which wraps up this, this storyline, which like I said, I, I, I enjoyed this one, but and I think this last issue was in a way my favorite one, if only because it got so weird. Like the first three right. are kind of of a piece. It starts with this this idea that you know they're investigating his robots. He's testing these robots. There's a couple twists and turns, but you know with the hypnosis and things. But really, it's it's of a piece. And then when we get to this wrap up, it really takes a left turn. I think all of a sudden Doom is is intent on being this like you know Mick Jagger man of wealth and taste. Uh, <laughs> He he's, just keeps hyping this art room. He keeps talking about how he wants to soothe the savage beast through art and music. He, he has this piano that he pretends to play. Uh, <laughs> he, he, when it doesn't go his way, he just kind of just, he's like, all right, you know what? This whole plan, it, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this one. You guys can leave. <laughs> <laughs> like he, yeah he's just like he, like he almost confused himself at the end or something like I, I don't know what i was thinking just go ahead yeah i think that um i like this four part i thought uh i read it all in one sitting um each issue just ended and then started right to the next one so there was no like uh spaces in between them so it's like just one long quick story 
It is a quick read, which isn't to say a bad thing. Um, but you're right. Like, I feel like it started with hypnosis. It went into the robots and it ended with the uh, camp town races piano. <laughs> and like, I feel like the, the two middle chapters, parts two and three were the robot ones. Uh, cause the hypnosis started in part one and kind of got forgotten about, about midway through part two. Yeah. Um, so I feel like parts two and three could have been combined in the one issue, just kind of tightened it all up and, you know, you could have done it in one and then this could have been a trilogy. So I don't know if maybe it'd be interesting to talk to like Stan and Jack about this. Like, was this meant to be a trilogy? And, and just because of the way Jack was drawing, like they needed the fourth issue to end it. Or, you know, was it meant to show Doom was just kind of all over the place with his plan here, like what you were saying? Um, so, yeah, it's just I'd be very interested in knowing what the idea was, because parts one and four are like two entirely different stories. And the parts two and three only kind of vaguely connect them. Yeah. And, we've and despite that, it is a fun story still, but it's just like. Yeah, just kind of all over the place. It, 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 we've seen in the past, like we've talked about it, Doom's focus and his goals tend to change issue to issue, sometimes within issues, but certainly issue to issue. If he wants vengeance on the Fantastic Four, sometimes it's Reed, sometimes it's the thing. Sometimes he wants to rule the world. Sometimes he just wants to have more attention, whatever. So yeah, right. this one, it's, it's, he's, he's working on these robots. He wants to test them. He's, you know... He's saying that he's happy with his face now. It's going to be the new standard once he rules the world, which I guess is the robot plan. He's using the hypnosis, I guess, to keep people in a certain state so they can fight back, but they can't fight back too much, which kind of negates the idea of testing the full power of the robots. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Doom is just very manic in this story. I know. I don't know if it's maybe it was his run in with Valeria and Diablo in the in the last one that, you know, before this story arc that has kind of put him in a bit of a spin. But he, he's got a lot of things going. And then, yeah, when we get to this final part, it, it's almost really. Yeah, it's almost like another story tacked on, which, again, I really like this last one. I almost wish they would have just taken this last one and made like a four part story of whatever this plan was like <laughs> yeah like reverse engineer part four right like do part one you know it's almost like a, a cold slither type situation maybe we're <laughs> use... just thinking I, that <laughs> yeah well i thought that's where they were going with it like i'm gonna i want to play i want to show you this artwork i've amassed i want to show you that i'm this cultured man who loves these simple things which you had pointed out maybe you know he's trying to be charming to some ladies okay then he wants to play his own piece, which he, he kind of says, I'm going to use this particular piano. I think he says keyboard, but it's obviously piano. Um, <laughs> so maybe the idea was that he was going to use that to hypnotize them again or something, but they don't really go into that. Camptown Races plays. The girls, I think, are probably not real. Uh, you know, at that point in the 60s, they're probably more into the Beatles or the Monkees or something. They're probably not really... <laughs> enthused by camp town races um <laughs> not the doom would know that <laughs> right then you know hopman being the toady and just being kind of stupid is going to torch the art room so doom is keeping one eye on him and he's just like wait no 
that's you can't ruin my art. And so he, he directs whatever the piano was going to do to him and kills him and then just kind of says, well, the whole thing's ruined. Forget it. I don't know. I'm having an off day. You guys should go. And he, he yeah, does that's say something how it ends. Right. And he does say something about they're given safe. I, I can't remember the term he used, but it's something that you see like in Westerns a lot of times, like safe conduct to the border or something like that. Uh, so yes. He, yeah. He does say like, you guys can go and you know, you, you can go to the border and then just leave. I, I don't even care at this point. <laughs> he just like threw his hands yeah, up. He says that they can leave Latveria and Sue asks, what about reading the others? He says, you'll find them awaiting you out in the great hall. And then Crystal's like, you know, let's beat feet while we can. And Doom says that uh, Dr. Doom is capable of many things, but the master Latveria does not lie. So that's when Sue turns to leave. And then that's when Doom finishes in the last two panels, just talking to himself as he's looking out his window, kind of wistfully, uh, almost like, yeah, kind of asking, like, well, that was all kind of weird, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> well, we can only hope. I'm curious to see what kind of feedback we get on this one. But we can only hope that I'm only hoping and I don't know if this is true. We'll find out. I only hope that this is a this is a path we go down again in the future, because I'd like to see not only Doom, the, the disc jockey, but Doom, the tortured <laughs> uh, musical artist working on his his trilogy, perhaps, or his uh, rock opera. Now, I will say two things about this issue or this storyline is that um, up to this point, whenever we've seen like the citizens of Latveria, they were always very pro-Doom, very against the Avengers when they were there, mm-hmm. not fans of the Fantastic Four like in this one. But from this point onwards, uh, the Fantastic Four at least will have people in Latveria that don't necessarily view them as bad guys or enemies. And I think that stems back to this very storyline because, you know, of course people are going to talk and they're going to be like, no, like, you know, Doom set these robots free and said like, you know, whoopsie and uh, you might die, but you'll be heroes of the country. And it was the fantastic four who stood up to him and, you know, saved the day. So, um, so there's that. And then there's also, like I had mentioned earlier, Hauptman, he's now dead. But his brother also works for Doom later on. And you did read that issue. And I remember you went on about what happened with him. You were like, this is the coolest thing. So uh, it's in the John Byrne run. So it'll be about uh, 12 to 15 years down the you know publishing road from where we are right now. Um, it won't take us anywhere near that long to get there. But I'll just be interested in um, when we do get to that point. If, uh, you know, what your memories are of originally reading that story and then in relation to Hoffman's brother in this story, because it all does tie together well. So I'm interested in, in getting there because I didn't realize Hoffman had a brother who appeared before. But I double check that Doom does mention him and which is in reference to this story. So it, it'll all be cool once we get there. Oh, this is good. We've laid the trail. We put an Easter egg down. Uh, we put some spoilers or some, uh, what's the word we want, uh, teasers, I guess, in, in motion. So before we uh, talk about what we're going to do next time, let me share a couple things here. One is uh, if you want to give us some feedback or connect with us, 
talk about all things Dr. Doom, there's a few ways you can do it. You can email us at drdoompodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at the Dr. Doomcast. You can find us on Twitter at Dr. Doomcast. And if you're listening to us, then you've already found some method uh, that you prefer. But if you're going to recommend us to your friends, family, uh, Latvian freedom fighters, uh, <laughs> 80s musicians, uh, if you're listening, you know, and you, you want to pass it on to other 80s musicians like Sting, if you're listening, you want to pass it on to the other members of the police. Uh, <laughs> Jackie, the joke man, if you want to pass it on to the other members of the Whack Pack. Um, you can find us on uh, Anchor, at our, our benevolent hosts at Anchor. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, the Dr. Doomcast. And you can now find us on Stitcher. Uh, recommendation, I think. Uh, some feedback, listener feedback. And yes. uh, you can now find us on Stitcher.com, the Dr. Doomcast. So we're out there. Uh, you can find us and uh, we look forward to hearing from you and uh, yeah what are we going to cover next time well first I should probably just do a quick reminder that uh, we will have to say goodbye to the team of Stan Lee Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott because this is the last time that they will all be together on the Fantastic Four um, in our coverage here the next time we go back to the FF's title a little down the road, uh, Kirby is going to be gone out of Marvel and working at DC for a little while. Um, so we've uh, had Lee and Kirby, at least, together ever since uh, episode one here. So it'll be kind of different next time we come back to the FF and it'll be a different team. Um, but for next episode, uh, which will be episode 11, we will be reading uh, The Savage Submariner, number 20. So Doom and Namor are going to uh, have another run-in with one another. And then we will be starting reading The Astonishing Tales, issues one through three. Um, now, Astonishing Tales is a split book. The A story is Kazar, um, and the B story is Dr. Doom. We'll just be reading the B story of Dooms because... The two of them uh, are in their own separate stories. Kazar has nothing to do with Doom. Um, so being a split book, the, it's only 10-page uh, stories. So uh, issues one through three, Doom uh, fights for control of Latveria. So there must be some uh, miscreant who decides to try and challenge Doom. So um, we'll be reading those four issues uh, Submariner number 20 and Astonishing Tales 1 through 3. So that'll be Doom's first ever solo series, by the way. His first official, so, like we saw him solo sort of in Marvel's superheroes, but now this is like an official. Right, that was a one shot, you know, or a tryout, but this will be, it'll be his series. Uh, the B story is about Doctor Doom. So there is your homework assignment. Uh, do your readings for next time uh, and get the word out. Uh, we're always looking for feedback and new friends and odd and interesting Doom-related artifacts and artwork and anything you have. So uh, we'll look forward to that as we continue to broadcast from the heart of Latveria. <laughs> and remember to play Camp Town Races.
Yes. Uh, we may, we, uh, depending on how the editing on this uh, episode works, maybe we'll we'll uh, fade out with that. Uh, but until next time, we've been your dedicated hosts, Bill and Craig, uh, and we will talk to you again next uh, next episode. Thank you for listening. The Camptown ladies sing this song. You da, you da. The Camptown racetrack five miles long. Oh, you da day. I come down there with my hat caved in. You da, you da. I go back home with a pocket full of tin. Oh.